I'm not quite sure whether you're clapping because it's, I'm a stranger that's welcome back into the fold. <laughs> you haven't seen me for a while, and I do apologise. Life's busy. Uh, look, I know a lot of the members come along, uh, they see the bulletin and they see a speaker that they're interested in uh, listening to. Today, you're very fortunate because we have one exceptional young woman. Now, I could go through and read out all the pigeonholes that Husna has been placed into over her life and had to find ways to escape. But if you're really interested in the detail, then you'll read her profile, her bio, on the, um, on the website. So instead, I want you to listen today to somebody who is vital, exciting, has a completely fresh perspective on life about how one escapes the corporate world and survives. So I welcome to the stage Husna, and uh, I'm quite sure that you're all going to be enlightened. Those of you that were at the International Women's Breakfast will recognise Husna and welcome her for me. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. So, as you know, my name is Husna Pasha, a very unfortunate name, of course, growing up in Tasmania. Um, but, you know, I want to just give a couple of key messages before I even begin my, my talk today. And I was really blown away at the International Women's Day Breakfast. And I have to thank Kerry for allowing me the opportunity to be a part of the panel, Kerry. Um, thank you for believing in me and thank you for the support. Um, I was standing behind stage with all of these incredible speakers, you know, the CEO of Telstra and the Ombudsman of Victoria, and then me, the girl that normally has a baseball cap on back to front. And I literally said, and I won't obviously use the word here, but I remember saying backstage, what the F am I doing here? And I remember Deborah Glass from, from Ombudsman Victoria said, oh, darling, you'll be absolutely fine. Don't worry about it. And... I remember looking out into the crowd and I, and I didn't resonate with every speaker on stage that day and I decided to speak my own truth about what I believed about the empowerment of women and the disempowerment of men and I spoke what I believed was true and you've all really embraced that message and I have to say thank you first of all for believing in my message and for believing in a girl that really speaks um, the human truth. Um, sometimes I think we put ourselves on pedestals and I don't really understand why we do that. We all wear tracky dacks at the end of the day. So um, there's no point behaving in ways which I feel is probably more the corporate label that we have. So this is kind of why I'm here today to talk about being a corporate escapee. But before I talk about being a corporate escapee, I think it's really important to talk about my backstory and how I got to where I am today. Um, so I'm a girl raised in Tasmania in a very small district town called New Norfolk where the only brown people were really ourselves, my family. And in fact, people thought we were indigenous, that we were part of the Aboriginal community. So um, that was tough growing up. But I still remember that it wasn't the racist comments that bothered me. It was probably more the human, the human I guess, prejudices that bothered me, you know, being called fat or ugly or big-nosed, whatever it was. Um, and I had a self-identity crisis growing up, a massive one. I was the girl that looked like Bollywood and sounded like Crocodile Dundee, and I couldn't figure out who I was. Was I Aussie? Was I Indian? Was I a Muslim? I didn't know who I was. And... So I left home at a very young age, at 19 years old. I became an occupational therapist because that was the only degree that wasn't actually in Tasmania and that was the only way I could leave home. So I moved to Sydney. I was like, hurrah, I get to leave home and live the dream. 
So I moved to Sydney and I studied occupational therapy, but at the back of my mind, I always had this feeling that my parents wanted me to marry the prerequisites, the Indian Muslim. It was always in the back of my mind that that's what I was meant to do. And I'll never forget that I came home at 19, 20 years of age um, for Easter holidays, as all good Muslim girls do, and um, we, a, a young boy came into our home to visit us with family friends. And he was Indian, he was Muslim, he was degree qualified. And so I decided to arrange my own marriage. Um, my parents didn't arrange it for me, I arranged it by myself. Um, and again, you know, as funny as it sounds, it's the truth. I did arrange my own marriage because of my self-identity crisis. I didn't know who I was. Was I Indian? Was I Muslim? Was I Australian? What was I? So at a very young age, within four weeks, I was engaged. And within less than six months, I was married um, to a guy that was the Indian version of Dick Smith and more or less looked like Austin Powers in the making. But that's okay. The, the choices that you make, really, with a self-identity crisis. So within a year, I started to suffer a very serious eating disorder, and I was depressed. I had clinical depression because this bubbly, vivacious girl that you're seeing right in front of you no longer existed, and all existed was a, a woman with a self-identity crisis doing what she thought she was meant to do in life. And then it was my father that actually turned around and said to me, you bloody idiot, you married a monkey with a coconut. Wow, you could have told me that a year ago. <laughs> but it was at that point that I realised, and my family realised, it wasn't about prerequisites that gets you anywhere in life. It was about love, and it was about being happy. And so I was the first divorced girl in our entire family, and my parents were OK with that because they'd lost their little girl. And it was important that, that I rediscovered myself and reinvented myself and became the woman that I am today. And thank God for the, the backing of my family and friends that supported me in doing something that is otherwise not really accepted in my culture or in my community. So at that point, I then decided to live the dream. And at 22 years old, I recovered very quickly from depression and an eating disorder. As you can see, I'm fairly full and healthy looking. Um, and I recovered very quickly because I started to discover who I was. And I was no longer an Indian. I was no longer a Muslim. I was no longer brown. I was just a human. And I just started to just live like a human and live the Aussie way, um, which is to embrace all things underdog and all things wonderful. So I continued on in the corporate industry for the next 18 years. But I always knew in the back of my mind that I wanted to be a talk show host. And I wanted to be the first Ellen of our country. It's a pretty small dream, really, isn't it? So I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to learn to be brave. And the key message I am going to deliver today is actually about bravery. I decided that I wanted to be brave. And so I knew I still had to pay the bills and pay our mortgage. And so I continued on working in the corporate industry. But then I decided that I would have my talk show in the background. So I. I um, booked a, a lecture theatre at the University of Melbourne and I booked a date, being the 4th of November, and I created a talk show. And I had guest speakers, I even had free tickets to Oprah that year, when Oprah came to Australia. I had giveaways, I spoke about incredible stories of the underdogs of Australia, and I had a talk show. And I did create the Ellen of Australia. And then ABC recognised that, and three years later I had shows that were sold out, and um, 
people that were really embracing the dream. So I had a documentary on ABC a few months ago called Who's Husna? Who is this girl claiming to be the first brown Ellen of Australia? And it was still the message that I, I continue to live by till today, which is about creating happier people. Even my talk show is about bridging the gap between humans by creating happier people. See, because I believe that happy people don't have time to judge the colour of your skin and the shoes you wear and the car you drive. The corporate industry, however, is a little bit different. And we have loads of time to worry about the cars we drive and the shoes we wear and the colour of our skin. So I've continued on in the corporate industry, and there are things that I've noticed in the corporate industry that I don't like very much, but there are great things about the corporate industry as well. But some of the things that I haven't appreciated about the corporate industry is that I have felt excluded and that I'm not playing the race card, but at times the race actually did make a difference. I worked as a business development manager in the corporate industry for the last 10 years, and I'll never forget one of my managers introducing me to the silver-haired CEO of a large corporate organisation, and he said, she looks, she looks Indian, but she's really, really Aussie. wasn't quite sure what he meant by that, so I thought I'd pull out a bit of a g'day, mate. And it really shocked me, because I kind of thought that I was accepted, but realised very quickly that I wasn't. And then it came to event nights and, um, you know, staff parties, where all of a sudden people were getting really, really drunk and saying things like, it's okay, she doesn't have a bomb. Or Husna preferably don't wear a backpack, it doesn't suit you and you, you never know how that could come across. And so I decided, you know what, rather than mulling over these prejudices, I'm going to do something about it. So I became a part of a great initiative called Speed Date a Muslim. Has anyone heard of Speed Date a Muslim? <laughs> Speed Date a Muslim was an incredible initiative that I am and still a part of now. And it's about non-Muslims getting together with Muslim people and asking crazy questions like, so do you wear your hijab in the shower? And, you know, when will ISIS stop bombing the world? And I normally respond by saying, well, my meeting's not till 3pm this afternoon. Until then, I can't help you. And these are the conversations that people have been having in the corporate industry. And it has bothered me greatly. But I decided that rather than feeling like a victim... I would decide to be brave and to step out and just create a great initiatives to try and battle some of these issues that we have, both in the community and in corporate. The other things that I've obviously faced being a part of the corporate world is gender inequality. But it's not what you're expecting to hear from me today. It's not about men disempowering women. It's actually about women disempowering women. And there's one thing I have noticed in the corporate industry is that women have taken and it's worked so hard to get to where they are that they end up disempowering each other and they become very alpha female and they hold on to their roles and their titles and their jobs and they don't look after each other and they take that ladder from underneath them and they leave the other women to defend for themselves and they lose the point. They actually miss the point altogether. So I'm all about the empowerment of humans, not the empowerment of women alone or men alone. And the other message which I spoke about at the International Women's Day Breakfast was also about let's not disempower men as the result of women's success. 
see, my husband is a great man who parents our children in an incredible ways. In fact, is sometimes a better parent than me as I'm too busy off trying to become the Ellen of Australia. So the corporate industry has got some work to do. There is no doubt about it. There are many things in corporate that I have found difficult to face. Um, but being honest about those conversations is the best way to be. And when I talk about wearing tracky dacks at the end of the day, I really mean that. There's a facade that we put on in the corporate world. But at the end of the day, we all go home and do the same things in life. The facade doesn't need to exist. We're just human beings trying to get by, trying to pay our mortgages, trying to put our children through schools, trying to be happy. This facade doesn't work, and it doesn't work for me. And I realised that at the International Women's Day breakfast when I just spoke the truth and I spoke as a human and everyone seemed to have resonated with that. So I'm going to continue doing that in my journey. So after 18 years of being in the corporate industry, I decided I would just do something really crazy and leave <laughs> right in the middle of a very, very big mortgage repayment and two young children in primary school and a husband that is not the breadwinner, in fact, I'm the breadwinner, he's just an incredible graphic designer that struggles to make a living. It is hard in the, in the graphic design industry. But I decided that bravery is what gets you anywhere in this life. So I am now officially a corporate escapee. And it was difficult because I didn't know what the other side looked like. What I did know, however, is how I wanted to represent myself as a corporate escapee and the sort of leader I wanted to become. And I spoke about the alpha female in the workplace and her need or her desire to, to be strong and powerful and almost male-like in a world that feels quite hard for women in the workplace. And I've decided that I don't want to be that type of a leader. And it is difficult because we, we, we tend to replicate what we know best and what we've seen before. So I work very hard now to ensure that I'm the sort of leader that I, I feel proud to be which is a woman that actually believes that leadership has the best people, if not smarter, working with you, not for you. The key with, it's, it's the word is with, alongside, together, in collaboration, unity. Hierarchy should not exist anymore. That's a very old school term. We work together to achieve greatness. We work together to achieve great goals. So the woman that I've been working alongside with Speed Data Muslim, her name is Hannah Asafiri. Um, has anyone heard of the Moroccan soup bar? So she had another cafe called the Moroccan Delicacy, which is where we've obviously been holding Speed Data Muslim from for a couple of years now. And she said, I am absolutely exhausted. I cannot possibly continue on with the Moroccan soup bar, the delicacy, and being a female activist. So I'm going to pass this baton on to somebody else. And I think that that person should be you. So with no hospitality experience, I decided, what the hell? Let's go and become a restauranteur. And so I've been a restauranteur now for the last 12 days. <laughs> I've been wearing sneakers and tracky pants all day long, actually. This is the first time I've stepped into my corporate outfit again. So it actually doesn't feel too bad. I can't lie. But I decided to call my cafe Alicia's Cafe Collective. Alicia stands for Aaliyah and Shahan, Alicia, who are my children. It is my children who give me purpose. And Cafe Collective is about a collective group of incredible people coming together to achieve greatness. So it's not that I just um, sell food 
and vegetarian cuisine on 313 Ligon Street, Brunswick East. What a great plug that was. It's actually a space where we are going to continue um, to have a platform to encourage people to share their talents and embrace uh, the creative arts because I believe that we all need to share in other people's experiences. One of the key messages I like to deliver is that we should want the same success for other people as we want for ourselves. It's a very lonely world when you're successful all by yourself and I truly believe that we should be successful together. It's so much more fun that way. So the space that I've created is a two-storey building with plenty of rooms upstairs for workshops, health and wellbeing services, embracing the cultural arts, having the Rotary there for an event. But it's an opportunity for me to do what I really love to do, which is to talk about and embrace the issues that I have faced in my life, being excluded, being brown, being Muslim, and learning to embrace that through my mother's cuisine, through my talents of being a talk show host, through the people I've met across the corporate industry and the like, and to embrace their talents and to share in their experiences to hopefully create a happier place. I really believe we don't do this enough. I really believe that these days and the way the economy has changed and the way life has changed, that we are all in it for ourselves because we feel that we just have to manage. It's hard. It's hard to pay the mortgage, it's hard to pay the bills, it's hard to get through mental health issues, it's hard to get through family, it's hard to get through children. Life has become difficult, but we need some voices out there that say, we're in it together. Let's do this together. Australia is about the underdog. Australia is about rising above adversities. We love taking the piss out of each other, let's be honest. And we have to remember to go back to our roots of being real Australians, which is about looking after each other and embracing each other's ways. So that's what my new life looks like now as a corporate escapee. And the leadership that I now represent is, is collaborative, is being what I haven't seen in the corporate world, which is about working together, is about achieving goals together, is about removing the hierarchy and learning just to achieve greatness as one. If we can learn to do that, and I know how fluffy this all sounds, but fluffiness does work, believe me. And fluffiness does actually get us through. And because of my fluffiness, I have managed to create a difference in community and in local community. I was given an opportunity after my ABC documentary not so long ago to be the cousin, the brown cousin to the Indian family on Neighbours. And I weighed that up and I thought, hmm... The Indian cousin or neighbours, or go and work as a restauranteur and create a positive difference in the local community. So I decided to skip neighbours, become a corporate escapee, and make a difference at a local level. Because I don't want to hide behind a camera and become something that I'm not. I actually want to make a positive difference. I want to be able to do what I'm doing here right now meeting people, embracing different cultures, different faces creating change, hopefully putting a smile on your face with my totally Indian accent like my parents, just because. It's important. These are the things that make a difference, not the brown cousin on neighbours. So that's who I am today, and that's what leadership looks like to me. Leadership looks like leading by example, taking people with you on the journey, creating success as a group, not just for yourself. 
and remembering that we are all trying to achieve the same thing in life, which is just to live a happier life. And that is my purpose. So thanks for having me. <laughs>